0: What I would not do is buy an investment house based on whether or not you would want to live there. That is a totally different decision-making process and one that is full of all kinds of peril. You know, when you buy a house that you wanna live in, that's an emotional, personal decision. That's not a business decision.
1: Hi, welcome to Ready to Scale Season Three. I'm your host, Ellie Perlman. I'm a real estate investor, syndicator, and operator of multifamily properties. And in this season, We're going to focus on dialogues that drive success. Building real wealth is not a fairy tale nor rocket science, but there's so much to learn. So grab a cup of coffee and join me each week for in-depth conversations with successful real estate investors, conversations that are designed to help you drive your wealth investment knowledge and lifestyle to the next level. And of course, you can always go to my website, elliperlman.com to read more about investing passively in multifamily. Welcome to another episode of Ready to Scale. I'm your host, Ellie Perlman, broadcasting from Providence, Rhode Island. Today I'm speaking with Dr. Masaki Oishi, and he's a neurosurgeon in Houston, Texas. He's a graduate of Cornell University Medical School. And on top of that, he's the co-founder and chairman of Market Space Capital. And to add to that, he's the author of Prescribing Real Estate, A Doctor's Guide to Commercial Real Estate. A doctor, a writer, and a real estate investor. Dr. Oishi, welcome to the show.
0: It's my pleasure and honored to be here. I wanted to very much participate in the discussions about real estate because that's a subject that's very near and dear to me.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I think the listeners would be delighted to hear from you about your path from being a surgeon, a neurosurgeon, a doctor, to becoming a real estate investor. I can tell you that a lot of my investors are doctors and a lot of them are investing passively. So I'm sure they're gonna be very, very interested in hearing about your journey.
0: Introduction to real estate happened when I was 15. So well before I became a physician. My folks were immigrants from Japan and they came to the United States and one of the first things that they managed to do once they'd saved up some money was to invest in real estate. Neither of my folks spoke English very well, so naturally it fell on me as the eldest child of the family to make sure that the rents got collected and that the taxes and insurance got paid. So, I became familiar with at least the management of real estate from a rather young age. I didn't think it was such a great thing at the time, but now that I look back on it, I'm actually grateful for the experience.
1: That's really interesting. So when you were 15 years old, you got your first exposure to real estate. You went on and pursued a career in the medical field. You became a doctor. Was real estate always there in the background? Were you investing as you kind of moved on with your career?
0: Well, I've always been interested in various forms of, of investments. Even did a half a year stint in the, at an investment bank in Japan, doing analytics of mutual funds and that sort of thing. But in terms of doing my own investing, I would say that I've had some experience in that field as well, generally in properties for residential purposes.
1: So speaking about residential, let's start talking about asset, which is kind of the first part of the discussion, commercial versus residential real estate. What do you think? I think the listeners know my opinion about residential versus commercial. I've voiced my opinion, you know, many times, but I'm interested in hearing, what are your thoughts about the two asset classes?
0: Well, I mean, I think broadly speaking, both have areas of strength right now you know residential uh, many parts of the country are seeing quite a strong market in terms of prices and in commercial you have to really pick and choose which sectors of the market you want to be involved in if you want to ride a, a rising tide so to speak so i think you know there are differences between the two also in terms of investment Commercial properties tend to be larger properties. They tend to require more of capital and in terms of managing the investment, more time to make sure that the property is maintained or upgraded, and then of course to turn around and sell the property. So there are some major differences in investing in those two very, you know, different asset classes.
1: Which one would you choose if you had the opportunity to buy a commercial real estate, let's say multifamily or self-storage, or to purchase with the same amount of money, multiple residential units, so multiple single family homes, which of those two would be your preferable kind of investment vehicle?
0: I think now that we have a company that's set up to handle these kinds of investments we really do look more towards the larger properties because we really can't go around evaluating individual houses and spending the time and resources necessary to do the analysis on how these properties would perform if we did that you know just to come up with a portfolio of 50 you know residential houses that would take a tremendous amount of our time and resources so instead we look at major multifamily housing projects or you know properties that can be developed into multifamily type uh, properties instead. Obviously when I was you know, just a loan investor doing it for myself, yes, I preferred you know, the smaller projects that were easier to manage. And I made a point to always buy in the same neighborhood or city that I lived in so I could keep a close eye on the property.
1: Yeah, that totally makes sense. And one way of individual investors to participate in those larger commercial investments are through syndication. And if they still want to maintain ownership and control at the same time and want to manage the asset on their own, then they also purchase single family homes or quads or kind of the smaller assets. I want to shift our conversation a little bit and talk about the process of looking at an investment and perform analysis. In your opinion, what do investors need to look for when they're looking at a property and when they're considering whether to purchase a property, whether that's going to make a decent investment?
0: Well, I think when it comes to the single family home type uh, residential properties, You know, the metrics are fairly straightforward. You want to look for properties that are in a good location, good neighborhood, you know, good schools. And you look at the other properties in the neighborhood and you look at the comparables and see you know where you are in terms of the market, whether at the upper end or the lower end of the market. And, you know, you can certainly enlist the advice of some of the real estate professionals in the area. What I would not do is buy an investment house based on whether or not you would want to live there. That is a totally different decision-making process and one that is full of all kinds of peril. You know, when you buy a house that you want to live in, that's an emotional, personal decision. That's not a business decision.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I've seen, even with multifamily, I've seen owners making the mistake of even renovating Throw in a th- I think they spent $20,000 in one unit. They created an island and brought really high-end finishes. And guess what? They had a very, very hard time finding tenants because the premiums were so high. You have to have some decent ROI and they couldn't find the right tenants. And that was that's very similar to what you're describing. You got to wear your investor hat, not the owner's hat. You're not gonna live in that apartment. You're not, you know, you shouldn't be making decisions based on whether I would like to live here or whether, you know, this kitchen is nice enough for me because this is not for you. If anything, maybe class A buildings. But yeah, I think that's that's a very, very solid recommendation, not kind of to switch your perspective from a renter to an owner and back. What's good for renters, not really good for you as an owner. That's a very, very important tip to remember. In
0: terms of our investment strategy at market space capital, when we look at larger properties, commercial properties, development properties, we go by, you know, a data driven approach. We use twenty-eight to thirty different metrics to evaluate a property. I can't really give away the special sauce because that's kind of proprietary information, but we're very much data driven and we use econometrics to decide mainly what sort of properties fit our investment guidelines and profile. And we crunch all the numbers and we look for a rate of return that's, you know, at least a certain level before we can go forward and present it to our potential investors.
1: Mm -hmm. Yep, absolutely. Now, let's talk a little bit about strategy. And you wrote a book, as a doctor, it was probably interesting for you to do that, called Prescribing Real Estate, A Doctor's Guide to Commercial Real Estate. So in terms of strategy, why do you think commercial real estate is the right investment vehicle for doctors as real estate investors?
0: Well, I think a lot of physicians are very much of the mind that, you know, they make a good amount of money in terms of their their salary or in terms of their compensation, but they really do lack the know-how and the means to turn that into what we call wealth building or, you know, preparing for retirement, however you want to phrase it, it's fine. I mean, those are two separate skills that I learned. <laughs> Not through medical school, but through the actual reality of running a practice in medicine. I think a lot of physicians are no longer able to go the usual route that doctors used to go in terms of their practice. A typical practice a generation or two ago would be a doctor who came out of training, who either rented or bought his first office, and then expanded his practice, and then ended up buying the building or the property that you know he originally started in. And then he would buy, go on to buy things like a lab or a uh, or an MRI facility next door. And so, investment used to be a very fundamental part of a doctor's practice, just as a matter of necessity. What we found more recently, however, is that a lot of doctors are foregoing owning their own practice and instead going to work for a major a multi-practice group or going to work directly for a hospital, which you know is good in the sense that it alleviates any kind of financial pressure. You don't have to come up with a down payment to buy your own office anymore. On the other hand, you don't get the benefit of that kind of investment either. So that when you do decide to you wanna move on and sell your practice or retire, you don't really have anything in terms of an investment, you know, that you have no equity essentially. And I'm finding that that is more and more a trend. And I look at, you know, how doctors live; they tend to, you know, spend a lot of the money that they earn. And you know, that's that's fine. I'm not going to say you know, you can't do that, but <laughs> it's certainly not conducive to uh, long-term wealth building.
1: Absolutely, I think it's interesting what you've mentioned earlier that. The trend today is for doctors to join a practice than to start one, which means that they have more available capital, they don't need to reinvest it in their businesses, so they do actually need to invest it somewhere instead of just sitting on piles of cash. Do you think that now is the right time to invest in commercial real estate for doctors and, and for any you know high paying executive and The tech industry, for instance, you think now is the right time?
0: Right now, we are seeing record low interest rates. We are seeing a tremendous amount of money supply that is chasing assets. By some metrics, we're seeing cap rates for certain properties being squeezed to microscopically small levels. Yeah. And I think what we would like to see is more of a balance in the way uh, people invest for the future. I'll say one thing about you know, people who invest in securities. The investment banking industry has done a tremendous job of making those kinds of investments accessible to just about anybody with a few hundred bucks and a computer. We have yet to do that for real estate. I think it's coming. I think the technology is probably already there that we can start doing that. You know, There are some ursatz investments out there like you know, REITs that try to, you know, incorporate real estate into that paradigm. But, you know, what we would really like to see is more direct, transparent investment into specific assets by individuals and really to open up that form of investment to a whole universe of potential investors who right now are feeling that there's a barrier to entering these kinds of markets.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the main reasons why it's more challenging, you know, when it comes to REITs or stock market, you have liquidity. Ownership is not a major issue when it comes to a house. How do you divide one house or one building among 2000 different buyers that are trading their shares in in the market? They'll have to be some entity that owns the property because you can't change the title every 5 minutes every time ownership exchanges hands and i think the government is still very hesitant to allow real estate to be that liquid and to change hands it's so hard to buy a real estate asset regardless of the size so the idea of putting it in in the public and, and let the market basically trade i think it's a dream I think we, we can definitely get there, but I definitely see the challenges of making it available to everyone.
0: So, I mean, we have to start somewhere. Yeah. And what, what we decided to do was to at least lower the, the initial investment amount, which is often a barrier to entry, from you know, millions of dollars for mm-hmm. a large multifamily development project to perhaps $50,000 and see if we could market that kind of investment to high net worth individuals. And you know, we started with a database with a network that we built from scratch. I literally started by calling my doctor friends and asking them if they would be interested in this kind of an investment. And so from there, we actually built up a very nice network and and database. I'd say about seventy percent of the investors in our portfolio are doctors. And we did it organically. We didn't ask some company to come in and and data mine a website or anything like that. So I think that's something we're we're pretty proud of. And you know, of course we welcome all investors, not just physicians, but I think this is just historically how we got started.
1: All right. Well Dr. Oishi or or MASH, you don't want to call you MASH. I really thank you for your time. I think your perspective is, is spot on in terms of you know how good commercial real estate investment can be for doctors and high earners. We have arrived to the last part of our conversation, which is the lightning round questions. Are you ready? I'm ready. <laughs> All right. First question is, what's your favorite hobby?
0: I'd say it's fishing. You know, mm. I've done quite a bit of it. One of the best trips I ever took on vacation was a trip to Sitka, which is in the great state of Alaska. It's about two or three hours plane ride from Seattle. And half the street names are still in Russian because mm. the, the Russian territory before it was bought by the United States. And it's probably one of the most remote locations you can go to. Even I wouldn't really want to buy property there, but you're welcome to look at that if you'd like. The fishing is amazing. And if you go during the months of May or June, you may actually pick off some salmon returning to the streams there. It's really quite, quite exciting. So that's my favorite hop.
1: All right. And what's the one thing that most people don't know about you?
0: I think that most people don't know about me. Okay, yeah, I guess I alluded to it earlier, but you know, I was in Japan for a few years, and I actually spent time at an investment bank called Nikko Securities. I worked there for less than a year, but it was there that I really learned all about, you know, how the industry functions and the kind of the thinking that goes behind the creation of mutual funds and index funds and and all the other investments that opportunities that they've cranked out over the years and have, you know, really revolutionized the way in which people invest in securities. And, you know, that I think really opened my eyes to just how closed and how insulated, you know, the real estate industry has been for quite some time. And I think that's pretty much where I get my vision for you know how things probably should open up into the future.
1: Mm-hmm. All right, what's your number one advice for high net worth individuals, doctors, lawyers, and family offices that want to scale and grow their real estate portfolio in 2021?
0: Well, as I said, right now there is a lot of money chasing a lot of assets, and so. It's easy to get burned in this kind of environment if you're just chasing a property, if you get too emotionally attached to a property, or if you're buying into a project just because you feel that you know you can sell it to the next guy for even more money than what you're shelling out for today. It's called the greater fool theory and it's not called greater fool for nothing. You should absolutely go back to fundamentals and you know look at, at the property. We use a variety of econometric parameters to evaluate each property. We're very much data driven. We don't buy a property just because it's going up in, in value. So I think that's probably something to remember in this environment. It's almost like you know, in a, in a bull market, you know, some people will buy any stock, they don't even know what, what the company does, but they'll buy it because it's going up. And that's really not a great strategy.
1: Very, very well said. So if our listeners would want to reach out to you, how can they find you and where can they find your book?
0: Well, our website is marketspacecapital.com. My book is called Prescribing Real Estate and it is available on Amazon. It's been on market for a few weeks still hasn't reached bestseller status. So I'm counting on all my fellow doctors to help me.
1: (laughs) All right. All right. Awesome. Well, Dr. Masaki Oishi, thank you so much for being here on the show today and sharing your knowledge with me and with the listeners. I really, really appreciate it.
0: Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure.
1: All right. That's it, guys. Be bold, be great. Keep pushing forward and I'll see you on the next episode.